Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Monday, December 5th, 2022. I'm Micah Chopley. All right, here we are starting a new week, a new week. We've got about two and a half solid weeks left. We've got two and a half solid weeks left until the holidays start, until the Christmas festivities start. Everyone goes away. Everyone stops paying attention to everything. We've got a big, a very, very, very big election coming up. It's a bigger one than you think. You know, people don't think the election coming up tomorrow, later today, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But uh, we have a big election coming up on this Tuesday for for the Senate in uh, in Georgia. And many people, many people are going to say, well, it would have been a bigger deal if the Democrats had you know, had a chance, uh, one party or the other had a chance of taking power. No, but you know what? And the Democrats are going to have power anyway, so it doesn't matter. But it really is. The 50-50 and 51-49 are very different because of committees, the way the committees end up being doled out. And, of course, it gives Biden less wiggle room if the Democrats have 50 as opposed to 51. He can't afford to lose anybody. Where if he has 51, he can afford to lose somebody because he'd have Kamala Harris with a tiebreaker. So it's, 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 a, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. Um, so it's also a big difference going into 2024 because remember in 2024, the Republicans have the math in their favor. Unlike this past year where the Democrats had the math in their favor. In 2024, you've got 24 Democrats who have to defend their turf with only 10 Republicans who have to defend their turf. So it's a, it's a difference if the, if the Democrats go into that with a 51-seat majority or a 50-seat deal. It's a big difference, right? That one seat can make a big difference when it comes to, you know, who takes over in 2024, who takes over the Senate in 2024. So it is a big deal, you know, and you have a lot going into this. We're hoping Republicans have learned their lesson and are not putting everything into same into election day voting. Yeah, we know it should be one day. We know that. We know tomorrow should be the day. Everyone should go to the polls, and that's it. But we already know after about a month of election of of uh, early voting that the Democrats that Warnock probably has the edge. In other words, if that election were to be were to be over now, Warnock would probably win, probably by two or three, four points. So Walker's going to have to have a very big turnout election day, a very big turnout election day in order to overcome Warnock's early vote lead. So it's very big. So if you're in Georgia, make sure you go out there and you vote for Herschel Walker. Make sure you go out there and vote for Herschel Walker. Democrats have put so much money. What a sin, the sin, the money they've put into this, millions and millions of dollars and of course, calling in celebrities like Obama and whoever else you might have there on the Democratic side to 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 really to really sully uh, Herschel Walker's character, to sully Herschel Walker's character. There's been a lot of character assassination, but the Democrats have become very good at. They've become very good at character assassination. And what they're very good at is calling someone else what they are. So you got a guy like Warnock, whose own wife said he's a sociopath who lies well, lies with a smile on the face, like a, yeah, come on, a typical preacher. He's a preacher. This is where also, you know, really uh, 
is, is I find hilarious is that the Democrats are saying Herschel Walker's not ready. That's the Democrats' line. Herschel Walker's not ready to be in the Senate. Well, what made Warnock ready to be a senator? A, 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 a preacher? A guy who, what, he hands, he, he, he uh, passes around the, um, I guess that does make you, <laughs> I guess that does make you qualified to be a senator. Passing around the donation uh, bucket. <laughs> I guess that does qualify you now that I think about it. But that's basically what he did. He was a preacher, right? Who raised money for, for his church. <laughs> How does that really prepare you to be senator? What, what, what made Warnock so much more prepared? What made his resume so much more impressive than Herschel Walker's? This is how sad this is. It's so ridiculous. The Democrats are such hypocrites. They really are. Um, if Herschel Walker is not prepared, then neither was Warnock. And what does preparation mean anyway? You, the guy has opinions. The guy's going to vote, right? The guy has opinions. And he's going to vote based on his beliefs. So what, what 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 preparation does there need to be for that? It's absurd. Anyway, go out there and vote for Herschel Walker. Um, it's no surprise. It's zero surprise that the mainstream media has given what happened uh, this past Friday, the Twitter gate, if you will, the big dumping of evidence showing what we have all known for years now, which is that the DNC, the Twitter is just another arm of the DNC, including with the DNC, to push their narrative, to push their preferred narrative and get their candidates elected, namely Joe Biden. It's, it's no shock at all. It comes as no surprise to any of us that the mainstream media has not talked about it. And when they have talked about it, I think there was a – Fox has been putting up uh, – the numbers of minutes that the mainstream media is giving. And it was like zero minutes from ABC, zero minutes from NBC, zero minutes from CBS and 10 minutes from CNN. And believe me, most of those 10 short minutes from CNN were just basically trying to say it's no big deal. Right. And that Elon Musk is a, is a crazy conservative right winger who's trying to make a big deal over nothing. So, but this, this really comes as no shock. Why would these people admit this is almost like a murderer who's caught red handed? You know what the mainstream media is like? It's like O.J. Simpson, right? He's caught red handed. You have all this DNA evidence showing he's the killer. And yet, of course, they're never going to admit to, to being the killer. They're never going to admit to have been wrong. They're never going to admit to have colluded all this time. So, of course, they're going to make it and make it seem like a big nothing ball. Of course, they are. Even even down to the most ridiculously stupid things like, well, Biden wasn't really in the government yet. <laughs> he wasn't in the government yet. It was first of all, the guy was vice president for eight years. The guy was the guy's been in politics for like what forty five years at that point, and he was the the nominee, the Democratic nominee, a week away from the election. Now, he's not really in government yet. This is not a government thing. It's so ridiculous. It really is. And of course, now there'll be more information coming out showing they continued the collusion, obviously, after he was president, because they, they colluded with the whole COVID narrative. So what are they going to say then? I mean, there's like, we're like days, not hours away from more evidence showing that there was also collusion once he was president. So then what are these assholes are going to say that? The same ones who are saying, well, he wasn't in the government yet because he wasn't officially president yet. 
They don't real, but they know more. See, they don't care. It doesn't matter. They know more evidence is going to come out showing collusion from the Biden administration, not just the Biden campaign, but the Biden administration and Twitter on things such as COVID and other any other issues that they wanted their narrative to prevail. They know the evidence is going to show that they don't care. They'll poo poo that evidence. They'll say, oh, who cares? It's no big deal. It's all made up. It happens all the time. Twitter can do what they want. They'll, 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 they'll just excuse it no matter what comes out. Just like they excuse any information about COVID or masks or lockdowns. They don't care about evidence. They don't care about facts. The Democrats don't care about evidence or facts or right and wrong. They care about their narrative and their narrative only. Which is that Trump is bad and they're great. That's their narrative. That, that's how intelligent their narrative is, how deep it is. Trump bad. We great. That's it. That's all you got to know. So obviously, you know, anyone who thought that the Democrats, the DNC, or the DNC-run media, such as ABC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, were going to get on their knees and say, oh, Please, you got us. You got us. Please forgive us. You got us. Oh, come on. Of course they weren't going to do that. Of course they weren't going to do that. Just like a murderer doesn't do that. A fucking serial killer doesn't do that. They're not going to do it. O.J. Simpson didn't do that. Their beloved Michael Avenatti didn't do that. We'll talk about their beloved Michael Avenatti in a few seconds. The Democrats' beloved Michael have they Have they apologized for their beloved Michael Avenatti, pushing their beloved Michael Avenatti on everybody for years because their sick fuck Trump derangement syndrome? Have they apologized for that? Of course not. We'll talk about him in a second. But this is par for the course. This is par for the course. Even one of their own in Rokana, even one of their own in Rokana was saying, we have documents showing he was saying, emails showing he was saying that this was wrong. He was saying this, is, this was wrong. They shouldn't have been doing this at the time. So even one of their own was admitting at the time that this was bad news, that they shouldn't have been doing this. That this was First Amendment violations, right? That was Ro Khanna's entire issue with it. Not that it was, you know, icky or off-putting, that it was in violation of the Constitution. He was saying that. And yet they still will not admit to any wrongdoing not admit to any wrongdoing. So what's going to have to happen is in a few weeks when Republicans take over Congress, take over the House, they're just going to have to have hearings. They're just going to have to put these people on the hot seat. They're going to have to expose them for what they did. That's the only thing. That's the only play at this point now. That is simply the only play at this point. And, and as will come out, I'm sure, well before January 3rd, all the collusion on COVID and that narrative and the vaccines and everything else, that'll also be part of the Republican hearings. So there'll be a lot more to come out even before January 3rd. There'll be a lot more to come out through the Twitter files even before Republicans start these hearings. 
So it'll be a treasure trove of information, a treasure trove of evidence that the Republicans would not have had had not Elon Musk bought Twitter. Which is, of course, why they're trying this, you know, character assassination with Elon Musk. They're trying to they're trying to assassinate his character just the way they're trying to assassinate Herschel Walker's character. Like I said, that's all the Democrats are about these days is character assassination. They can't win on the issues. They can't debate. They can't thrust in parry on the issues. So they have to assassinate your character. So then people will think anything you say is bullshit because your character has been assassinated. That's the idea. That's what the Democrats do. It's all character assassination. That's their business. That's their business. And so that's what we're seeing now. That's what we're seeing. Of course, with all these and what does the White House say? I, I meant to mention this last week. But the White House said, we're going to keep an eye on Twitter. What does that mean? That they're going to keep an eye on Twitter. So the government is actually saying, they're happily saying and admitting that they are going to try to interfere with the social media company. That the government's going to try to Basically, pressure. This is what happened. This is they, they, they've actually admitting what they've done, which is trying to pressure a social media company into doing things their way or else. It is not the government's job to keep an eye on private businesses. It's not the government's job to keep an eye on social media. It's not the government's job to decide what should go on social media and what should not. Why do I even need to talk about this? This should be like understood, but we live in such a dumb fuck country in so many ways that this is not understood. This is simply not understood. People think this is what people think. This is the surf mentality of so many in this country, especially those on the left. In fact, almost always with that with those on the left, the surf mentality of the government is powerful. They're better than us. They should tell us what to do because they know things. They know what's good for us. They know what's best for us. And this is truly what people believe. And once again, we saw this on a daily basis during COVID and we we continue to see it now. We continue to see it now. Someone on Twitter wrote that she was at a uh, cultural event, a theater, live theater. And a thir- this was in Washington, D.C. And a third of the cast on stage were wearing N95 masks. And now, of course, she was totally outraged by that because, as she said, you pay good money to see these shows. And part of being a performer is people are supposed to see your facial expressions. And if they, if you don't want them, if you're too afraid to have them see a facial expressions, you should do something else. You can be a, a barista at Starbucks, right? You don't have to be performing live on stage in Washington, D.C. And my thought was, and this is Washington, D.C., so my thought was, yes, of course, that's ridiculous that a third of the cast would be wearing N95 masks. But I can guarantee you that the majority of the people in that audience, the majority of the people in that audience 
were thinking, why isn't the entire cast wearing them? The majority of people in that audience weren't like normal, like you and I, like you and me, thinking, why is anyone wearing N95 masks? They were thinking, why isn't everyone wearing them? Because these are left-wing serfs. They're serfs. They're dumb. They're ignorant. They just believe whatever they're fed by the officials, by the government. Certainly by any government, anybody in the government who's not Donald Trump. Let's put it that way. Remember, they wouldn't take the Trump vaccine, but they would then take the exact same vaccine as long as it wasn't called the Trump vaccine. They would take the exact same vaccine that he was responsible for with his Operation Warp Speed as long as it was then considered the Biden and or the Fauci vaccine. This is how dumb these people are. You can't get much dumber than that. You really can't. It's That's like bottom of the barrel dumb. So, of course, these people think that we should all be wearing masks. These people think the government has the right to put the arm on a social media company to do things the way they want. These people believe, they truly believe that only the government, only police officers, only people within the government or that work for the government should be able to have a firearm. This is what these people really believe. I'm not making this up. Ask them. Pretend to agree with them. That's the way you do it. You can't do it in a judgmental way. They'll get defensive. But pretend you're one of them. If you happen to come upon a liberal or an illiberal, as we like to call them, ask them. But pretend you're with them. And they'll admit to you that this is what they believe. Pretend you're on their side. Pretend you're one of them. Pretend you're one of the body snatchers. You got to pretend. You can't be the other. You know, you have to pretend you're in that cult. And they will tell, they will, they will readily tell you what I'm telling you. That these are the things they believe. These are the things they believe. It is a submissive mentality. It's a mentality of submissiveness. Find me one alpha male that's a liberal. Find me one liberal that's an alpha male. We now have got a, we now have a jerk like Cameron, the director, James, saying that testosterone is bad. Testosterone is bad. And many on the left will agree with him. That testosterone is bad. The guy who made the Terminator. The guy who directed the Terminator and Terminator 2 is now saying testosterone is bad because now he's onto his, you know, his fantastical feminine avatar films. So see, now we can say testosterone is bad. After he's made all that money. So we see this incredibly stupid virtue signaling and a total moronic idiocy. Anyone who says testosterone is bad is a fucking idiot. Imagine if I said estrogen was bad, I could be canceled. So if you say testosterone's bad, you're you're an idiot. You're, you're just a moron. You have no you have no knowledge of medicine. You have no knowledge of science. You have no knowledge of of biology. You have no knowledge of the human anatomy. You're just an, a virtue signaling idiot who now finds it convenient to say such a stupid thing that you wouldn't have said twenty or thirty years ago. 
Because if James Cameron had, had started out making movies like Avatar, no one will know who the fuck he is. But he started out making great movies like Terminator. So everyone knows who he is. And he made a lot of money off those movies. And now he can say, oh, testosterone is a bad thing. Well, this is the left. This is the modern day left. This is what they do. This is exactly what they do. So is it any, is it any <clears throat> surprise? Is it any surprise that these people truly believe that masks work? Is there any surprise that these people truly believe that we can end, not only end COVID with masks, even though we didn't, but we can end flu with masks? Because that's what they're talking about now. Once again, once again, I want to remind everyone, we were all called crazy conspiracy theorists when we said things like this three, nearly three years ago. When we said nearly three years ago, I got the receipts, I can show you them. If you can't remember three years ago, less than three years ago. There were those of us who said, if you put on a mask for COVID, they will then try to start making you wear masks just for flu. And we were called absolute lunatics. Oh, no, it's only for COVID. No, of course, we've never worn masks for flu. Why would they make us? No, once COVID's gone and the masks will get rid of COVID in a few months, we don't have to worry. But not, they're not going to make you. You're a conspiracy. You're trying to make something out of nothing, you crazy, nutty, loony, righty, Trumpy conspiracy theorists. And what are they doing now? The CDC is thinking of making it mandated to wear masks during flu season. They want to add it. In other words, when the cases like this Barbara Farrar crypt keeper, when the cases, when the hospitalizations get to a certain level with COVID, the mask mandates kick into effect. They kick in. Well, now the CDC wants to make it where you add the flu cases to that. So if flu and COVID together reach a certain point, the mask mandates kick in again. Remember, you said you said we were nuts for thinking this was going to happen. You said we were nuts for saying they'd make us wear flu every flu season. And here it is. We're right again. We're right again. You were wrong again. Not you. You know what I'm talking about. Don't have a complex. I'm talking about the people who called all of us conspiracy theorists for believing these things. I told you, if you give them a finger, they will take a hand. If you give them a hand, they will take an arm. That's what they have done. That's what they have done. So what you have to do now is very simply take your hand, put it into a fist, and punch them in the nose. That's what you have to do now. That's the only answer. Oh, Mike, you're being violent. Well, too bad. That's the only answer now, really, is to punch them, is to punch back. Because they're not going to stop until they end up on the floor. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's obvious, right? Once again, team reality here. Team reality here. We got to go to team reality. Is that too alpha? 
Is that too much testosterone there for you, Jimmy Cameron? It's quite obvious that our trying to bargain with them, trying to present facts, trying to present information, trying to present science, trying to use that uncommon sense that we talk about on the show all the time. It's quite obvious that hasn't worked. It's not our fault. We've tried. They just don't want to hear it. They just simply don't want to hear it. So team reality kicks in, right? Team reality has to kick in at some point. There's one positive thing that has come about the Republicans taking over already. And this is the, uh, the vaccine mandate for the military is going to end is going to end because they will not pass any kind of military spending, any kind of budgets, any kind of bills that Biden wants passed having to do with the military and the NDS and all that nonsense, whatever it's called. Anyway, they're going to make it clear and they've made it clear to Biden that that military vaccine mandate has to be dropped or there will be no bill. And so that's the kind of hardball you have to play. That's the kind of hardball you have to play. And this is why we said it was so important for the Republicans to take back the House. And you know how many people came on this show and said, oh, no, it doesn't. Both parties are the same, Mike. You're you're getting caught up in this Republican versus Democrat thing. It doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. And I said, no, it does matter because of things like this. Because of things like this, and now we have something concrete that is happening even a month before the Republicans take over. We know that once they take over, the vaccine mandate for the military is going to be dropped because Biden knows he needs their vote to get his bills passed. That is what I was talking about. So had the Democrats kept the House, this wouldn't happen. You see how it's a fundamental change? You see how sometimes... You just got to be team reality and not talk about what's perfect and having some fantastical third party take over. And, oh, we're just never going to vote again. You see what I mean about team reality? If the Democrats had kept the House, the vaccine mandate would continue in the military. The Republicans won the House. It doesn't matter by how many. It doesn't matter. That's narrow. It doesn't matter. As I've told you many times, it does not matter how narrow it is. A win is a win. If you win a game 3-2, it's the same as winning 11-2. You have won the game. The other team has lost, and you have won. It's the same thing. Hello. Hello. Logic. Now the Republicans have taken over the House. The the military vaccine mandate will be dropped. And that's just the first of many good things that can come of this. And that's a huge thing. It's not a small thing. It's a huge thing. Because that military vax mandate would have stayed until a Republican won the White House. So it would have been two more years at least of that. Which we can hardly afford because we're, we're like hemorrhaging military. It's like, what, 4,000, 5,000 people? How many 4,000, I think, were, were, were let go, were fired, were thrown out? And they're having trouble recruiting people because of it. So that's a big win. 
It's a huge win. And like I said, that is simply because of the election. Elections do make a difference. They do have consequences, both positive and, and, and negative, depending on which side you're on. That's why I remind everyone how important this upcoming Georgia runoff is. It all makes a difference. It all makes a difference. And trust me, when you see, when you see how Fauci is going to be called to testify, when you see how this Gade, this VJJ Gade is going to be called to testify, and all of this is going to happen. It would never have happened if Democrats had won. All this Twitter stuff that's happening now would matter less if Democrats had won the House, because this is all going to be used in the hearings. This is all going to be used in the hearings. All this evidence, all this evidence, all these facts that we know about how the DNC, the Democrats, the Biden campaign slash administration put the arm on Twitter and look. The fact of the matter is they'd even have to put the arm on Twitter. Why? Because 99% of the people who worked at Twitter were Democrats. So they gladly helped the Democrats. Do you see? That's another point there. They didn't have to threaten them. The Democrats didn't have to threaten anyone at Twitter. They didn't have to threaten social media with regulations or anything else. They didn't have to do that because the people at Twitter gladly and happily aided the Democrats, the DNC, because it, there's, it's, it's basically San Francisco politics. Twitter was San Francisco politics. They all lived and worked here. They were all San Franciscans. They were all extreme lefties. They gladly helped Biden. They gladly wanted to defeat Trump. It didn't take any pressure. Now, the Trump campaign or if Trump had won again, the Trump administration, they would have to have had to coerce and demand things and threaten in order to get Twitter to play ball. But the Democrats didn't even have to do that. Simply because Twitter gladly wanted to help the Democrats. But you see, the people who worked at Twitter, like the J.J. Gade and with the, the Baker and all those people, they never came out and said, we're gladly helping. Why did, they should have just come out, had the balls with testosterone to come out and say, we are gladly helping the Democrats. Now, of course, they didn't do that because they would have gotten tons of blowback and half the people on Twitter would have left. And therefore, advertisers would have left simply because there'd be no people left on Twitter. So they, they didn't do that, did they? They didn't come out and saying, we are gladly helping the Democrats. We are gladly colluding with the Biden campaign because we want Donald Trump defeated. They didn't come out and say that. They didn't go on every day like Elon Musk and tweet set 20, 30 times, talk about what they're doing, what they want to do with Twitter. Have they, had they once done that? The people who ran Twitter before Donald Trump, did they once came out, come on and, and have a, a town hall meeting like he had over the weekend, Elon Musk, with what, a million people? Listening and people calling in, both journalists and non-journalists calling in and talking. Did they once do that? Did they once have the transparency of doing that? And simply saying, we are, we are happily, we're all Democrats here, we're in San Francisco, we don't want Trump to win again, so we're going to be an arm of the DNC for this campaign. Did they ever, did they ever say that? 
No, of course they didn't say that because they knew it was wrong. Because they knew it was a First Amendment violation. Because they knew people would not want to be part of Twitter if that were the case. But that's exactly what they were doing. So I don't want to hear that it's not a big deal. In other words, if there was nothing wrong with it, that's what they should have done. If there was nothing wrong, if the lefties believe that there was nothing wrong, if the mainstream media believed there was nothing wrong with Twittergate, that there was nothing wrong with what they were doing, then why weren't the people at Twitter, like Elon Musk, on every day tweeting about it, having town hall meetings about it, and just being just admitting that they're another arm of the DNC because Trump is so dangerous and they want to defeat him? Why weren't they doing that? You know why? Because they knew it was wrong. Okay, that's why people hide things, because they know what they're doing is wrong. So they hide things. They pretend they're not doing it. And that's exactly what happened to Twitter, proving the point that what they did was wrong. If I'm doing something and I don't think it's wrong, I think I have the right to do it. Why would I hide it? Why would I not gladly tweet about it all day? Why would I not let the whole world know? Uh, Because then everyone would know you're doing something wrong and they would not stand for it. People wouldn't stand for it. They'd say, no, that's not right. We're not going to be part of that. That's wrong. They knew what they were doing was wrong. They knew what they were doing was unconstitutional. And Ro Khanna was telling them that. He was telling them that. He was warning them about this. He was warning them this is what would probably happen. Because you know what? You don't have control of everything forever. This is what we talk about when we talk about the Republicans and the Democrats getting rid of the filibuster and doing this, that. But you don't, they all know they don't have control of everything forever. You do something now that benefits you now, and two years from now it will be used against you. So what's the point? The people of Twitter seem to think that they would have control of Twitter forever. And then Elon Musk comes along and throws them a huge curveball. And these people who worked at Twitter, who didn't know it, had no control. This, this, this shareholders had the control, you see. And when he offered them an offer that the Godfather, you can't refuse, an offer they couldn't refuse, $44 billion, something that was worth probably about $1.80, they had to take it. They had to take it. And now we're finding all of this stuff out. Now we're finding all of this stuff out. So the mainstream media can tell you, the fake news media can tell you as, long, as, as more, much as they want that there's nothing there or just not covered at all, which is like, once again, proving how wrong they were, proving how wrong they were for not talking about the Hunter Biden. They're doing the same thing with Twittergate they did with the Hunter Biden story, right? Pretending it's nothing. Just don't cover it. And because so many leftists are so tuned in to these fake new media outlets, they get all their information from them. A lot of them, trust me, this is I know this is mind-blowing to you and me. This is mind-blowing to us. We can't believe this. But believe me, once again, talk to them. There's There are many people on the left who don't even know this is happening. Do you understand that? There are many people on the left who don't even know what Twittergate is. 
because all they do is watch ABC, NBC, CBS, and they haven't covered it for one minute. So if they haven't covered it for one minute, it doesn't exist. And they know this. They know this. This is why they didn't cover the Hunter Biden story. People on the left also had no idea what the Hunter Biden story was all about. Because the, the places they go to for information just didn't cover it. They don't even have to cover it in a certain way. They don't have to slant it. They just don't cover it. And it doesn't exist, you see. That's the game they play. They just eliminate it from the universe. It doesn't exist. It does not exist. And that's how they get away with this stuff. By omission. Omission. And when they want something to be a huge story that isn't, they they cover it nonstop. We saw that with Russia, 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 right? So Russia, 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 the left-wing fake news mainstream media covered 365 for three, four years. So everything you heard from from your lefty friends was about Trump and Russia, right? They knew that existed, even though that was all fake. Now, we found out that was all fake. The fake news media didn't cover and say it was fake. So a lot of these people on the left still believe that was real because their fake news media never told them it was fake. You see how this works? See, we live in a, what do you want to call it? A bubble, a vacuum, a vacuum. I think I like a vacuum better. We live in a vacuum. So we, we watch Fox News. We go on social media. We listen to podcasts. We do podcasts. We do this. So we know all of this stuff. We know everything. We're aware of everything. We have an opinion on everything. But the left only focuses on the mainstream media, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, so on and so forth. Going back to my days as a Berniecrat, they also did the same thing, right? You saw those charts that, you know, Donald Trump would get so many minutes, Hillary Clinton would get so many minutes, and, you know, like Hillary would get 2,000 minutes, Trump would get 1,800 minutes, and Bernie would get two seconds. You saw that? I'm not exaggerating. Once again, omission. Bernie Sanders didn't exist. Therefore, a lot of these Democrats in primaries were all about Hillary and Biden, especially Hillary, that first campaign. Because Bernie Sanders didn't exist to them. He wasn't a real player in the whole thing because they just didn't cover him. So even though they did say some nasty things about him once he got some traction, some fake things, they they defeated him by simply just not talking about him. Right? Name recognition is so important. And the media gives you the name recognition. The media gives you the name recognition. They create you. Right. Or, or they can destroy you by just not talking about you. You don't exist anymore. You're not a person of interest. Now, this is the case as we swing along here to Michael Avenatti. Who the fuck would know who he is or care who he is if not for the left wing media? I mean, they really pumped this guy up. They put him on the news all the time. They put Michael Avenatti on constantly, constantly, while Trump was president. Why? Because he would go after Trump. Because he would simply say negative things about Donald Trump in a very forceful fashion. 
they that got the media off. They like that. So they didn't. Once again, this is how bad journalists are these days. They did no background check on him. Right. They didn't say, who is this guy we're promoting as the next great thing? You know, many of them were talking about him running for president. Right. And he'd be on these shows on MSNBC all the time. They never did their due diligence. They never said, who is this guy we're promoting? Who the hell is he? Who is he? If they had done a little bit of investigating, a little bit of uh, digging in, they probably would have uncovered a lot of the stuff and stayed away from him. But they didn't bother to do that simply because he was anti-Trump and they all have Trump derangement syndrome. So here you go with this tough guy, this tough, young, good-looking guy who's a lawyer, who's a Democrat, who's talking about how horrible Donald Trump is, what a horrible, corrupt man Donald Trump is. And Donald Trump ain't in prison. This guy is, by the way. But make, make, make sure you understand that distinction. Donald Trump, no matter what Michael Avenatti ever said about him or the left has ever said about him, he ain't in prison. Michael Avenatti is, and he just got another 14 years today. Because basically everyone he's ever come in contact with, he's defrauded. And that whole shtick he did, I, I'm not even sure he doesn't like Trump. I think Michael Avenatti is enough of a sleazeball to understand that he was able to get ahead because of Trump derangement. He was able to use all these people on the left, in the left-wing media, who had Trump derangement syndrome to become a big shot, to get his face out there in order just to publicize himself and to make more money for himself, to further his own cause. That cause being, of course, just Michael Avenatti. But now all that we know about him, now, have all these people who put him on apologized for that? Have they ever come out and said, well, we should have done a little more digging into who he was and what he was about? You tell me. I don't know. I I, I haven't seen it. I have not seen one of them. Come out and say, we're sorry, this was wrong, we promoted this charlatan, we, we promoted this sleazy snake oil salesman. No one, no one has said that. No one has said that. Because when it suited them, he worked. Okay, When it suited them, he worked for them. Because he went after Donald Trump. That's it. And once again, as we're seeing with people on the left, they say the other person is what they are. He constantly talked about how corrupt Trump was, and he was the corrupt one. He constantly spoke about how Trump should be in jail, end up in jail, and he ended up in jail. We see this constantly from the left. They project what they are upon others. Hey, Daniel, what's up? Yeah, um... I, I, we're, we're, of course, not surprised that the mainstream media isn't covering um, the the Twitter file dump. But um, as we were talking about before on Friday, this, this that was really the cliff notes. There's much more to come. And uh, Elon has, has promised that there's much more to come. Um, and so I, I look forward to um, shining more sunlight and disinfectant on this um, infected system that we're dealing with right now. The, the infection primarily seems to be, um, um, be, be the reservoir of infection seems to be in our media. 
Uh, of course, we got uh, Big Pharma that um, was a nidus of infection over the last three years. But throughout the last 20 or plus years, we have um, the, or the mainstream media has harbored many um, pathogens um, within it. And, and it's about time that we replace it. We're dealing with um, journalism that is a little bit more, little more than mercenary journalism at this point. And it would be really easy for Musk to come along and just provide a better product, a product whose main output is our facts and, and truth as much as that can be ascertained, ascertained. And if he can do that, that then we can ignore mainstream media, and it can entire it could it could easily entirely die. Um, this it could, it could be, you know, look at how many different uh, um, social media outfits that have come along, made big splash, and then died away. Um, the, the, you know, MySpace, for example, et cetera, et cetera. This could, you know, the whole mainstream media could easily be swallowed up and, and disrupted by as a, the word that's uh, that says frequently used in, in our um, uh, 21st century and uh, totally supplanted, uh, totally, totally eliminated um, by uh, success that Musk has at Twitter. And, and here's to that. I am just hoping that we finally have, after too many decades, a source of actual factual information that can be checked, double-checked, triple-checked, and people can have intelligent um, arguments about it. And there's going to be a lot of unintelligent arguments as well. But, you know, we're human beings. We have to be able to filter those out. That's part of our democracy. That's part of our duty to our democracy. Yeah, and I don't think, tell you the truth, I don't think Twitter needs to be a news outlet. You know what I'm saying? We're not, in other words, most of the people on Twitter are not journalists. I'm not a journalist. I'm not journalists. We're just regular people. So whether we want to share an article on something where it comes from either maybe a, a mainstream media like the Times or a alternative media, we can do that. Or if we want to share our opinion on something, we can do that as well. It's once again we're all adults, so well, we can we've just, seen we can discern. We've, we've seen the model. We've seen the model on Friday of what Twitter could become, where Matt Taibbi broke the story on Twitter, and that's what that's the model for what Twitter could actually become. Well, you, you're going to get a combination of stuff. You can get a little bit of news. Of course you are. Yeah. You're going to get a little bit of an opinion. You can get some over-the-top stuff. You're going to get yep. some conspiracy things. So what? Exactly. We're all adults. So what? We can Filter take it, it in and decide your, what we want to do with it. Yeah. Filter it out. Do your duty as an American and be informed. Do your duty as a citizen of a democracy, a citizen with guaranteed freedoms, and do your, do your duty by being informed. Sitting back on your couch, getting fat, Watching Melrose Place or whatever, I don't have a TV right now, so I have no idea what pe stupid shit people watch nowadays. Um, yeah. That's that's not Melrose, Melrose, Place, that's a lot, Melrose Place is a long time ago. You're in a time machine. <laughs> yeah, I should have said Seinfeld and really dated my, my yeah, really date yourself with Seinfeld. Oh yeah. my god, oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, but yeah, you know, do your duty as an American, you know, don't, don't sit around on your ass and watch the Kardashians all day long. Who cares about the, the, their, their big ass lives? I mean, it's, it's just, you know, do your fucking duty. You'll feel better for it. Yeah, but but you know what? That's the problem, as I've been talking about on this show, is that a lot of people just want to be force fed, spoon fed their information. Right. So they go on CBS or MSNBC and they watch like like zombies 
and they just take in what they're being told. And very rarely, very rarely, is there any, ah, that doesn't sit well with me. Let me go, let me go investigate that. They never do that, do they? They don't do that. Yeah, well, that's that's what we need. To, that's what we need to demonstrate. I mean, the best way to teach people anything is to show them, and so we have to show them that they can have better lives if they get involved, and um, and 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 make the um, one one of their top priorities the gathering of veracity, fact, facts with high veracity levels, so so that they can make uh, appropriate decisions in their life. If, if you I mean, it's easy. Just demonstrate to them. Just, just show them. You know, um, you know. I'm being rational. I'm being empathetic, and I'm making good decisions with with this data. And if you want to sit on your ass doing nothing, watching the Kardashians, well, here, here's here's where you went wrong when you made this decision, and here's where you went wrong when you made that decision because you weren't paying attention. You weren't paying attention, and those are the consequences. So. Here, let me demonstrate to you how you pay attention. It's not hard, and it's very fulfilling to actually contribute to your society, contribute to your community by paying attention of nothing more than actually just paying attention. That's that's, that's a very fulfilling thing for most people to be involved in their communities, whether at a very local level or at a state level or at a national level. That's a very fulfilling thing, far, far more fulfilling than sitting on one's ass on one's couch. Absolutely. Right. That's what you're doing with your show. You're demonstrating how to be involved and that it's a very fulfilling thing on a very personal level. That's what they need to see. Well, look. And, and and the fact of the matter is that when you have a situation where you have an owner, like like most of these things, you you have uh, most businesses. We have oh, we don't know who the owners are, right? Especially big corporations, we have no fucking clue who's running them. We have no access to these people. We can't talk to them. There's nothing you know. You can't. You don't know who they are. But with something like Twitter, when one person buys it, when one person with a very high profile, strong personality kind of guy. Like Elon Musk buys it, who's very visible, who tweets a lot, <laughs> a lot. Um, you're going to get a situation where you're going to get people who don't like what he does or doesn't like what he says, right? And that's just that's just normal. But I, I appreciate the fact that you have someone who's so hands on and is willing to put himself out there and and take criticism, not just take criticism, but like respond to it, right? Respond to it. Do these. Do these Twitter spaces where a million people listen and people can call in for an hour and a half and ask questions. That's the kind of transparency like we should have in every area. Of, we should have it with every corporation within politics. And we don't. And, and what's very sad is what's very sad and very hypocritical about the left is that these are people always like, oh, we want more transparency. And then you have a guy who's totally transparent. Right. Who's like beyond transparent. And they and they and they and they shit on them, basically. Yeah. So 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 um, all of those um, illiberals who um, gave tons of money to, to uh, Elizabeth Home at Theranos to run her big uh, Ponzi scheme um, are now backing away from uh, Elon Musk, who is to- to- totally being transparent. I mean, Elizabeth Home spent all her time trying to hide the fact that she had absolutely nothing, no product whatsoever that couldn't deliver one bit of what she said. It was a total sham. Here we have Elon Musk in there saying, just opening up all the books, being totally transparent. 
and the illiberals are running from them. They flock to Elizabeth Holmes of the world, and they run from the Elon Musk, and they do it all the while screaming, we need more transparency. It is mental illness. <laughs> yes, of course it's mental illness. It's absolute mental. That's why it's very tough. And I don't try to excuse everything as TDS, but it's very tough for me to take the left seriously at all when Trump runs so much of what they believe. That's, you know, that's they're, the, just not the, they're just not the left anymore. They're just this, this new class of automatons that, that have no ideology. They just, if they're, as, it's as you said, they go where they're told to go. And they go, they, and they go with their minds where they're told to mm-hmm. go with their minds. By, by what their tribal source of information, the MSM, tells, that tells them to go to. That's where they go. Where the MSM tells them to go, that's the direction they go. It has no basic underlying principles of, of any coherent ideologies by which you could, you know, intelligently argue with these people and say, well, you know, I understand that you believe such and such. So wouldn't you want to do such and such? You can't do that because every day it's a, it can be a new set of rules with these people. Because there aren't, there is no underlying ideology. There is no underlying principles. They aren't the left anymore. That's why I keep calling them illiberals. They simply aren't the left anymore. They have no underlying principles. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely true. There are no underlying principles there. There's no. There isn't. There isn't. It's. It's. It's really basically. It. It really does come down to, just a very simplistic black and white idea of like i said trump bad there's trump the bad, we good trump yeah. trump bad democrats good and and that's it's so ridiculous because like i said there's no doubt at all if there was any evidence that the trump administration or the trump campaign colluded with a social media outlet and got them to do things they would be going absolutely insane saying it was the biggest scandal ever of okay? course that right, that it made Watergate look like a candy, like I said, a candy store burglary, which is basically where it is. They, they, they would, of course, they'd be doing that, but because it's their side and it hurt Trump, it's all okay. In other words, you could commit bloody murder and say it's in the name of being anti-Trump, and they would say absolutely fine with us. Exactly, it's right. part of the hive mind. The queen bee says. What, whatever, do whatever in any particular given day. Men are women today. Men, uh, uh, men can have babies, you know, any, bo- any the, the, the most bizarre shit you can imagine anyone ever say. The MSN could say it tomorrow. They could say, they could tell everyone that uh, puppies are possessed by Satan and everyone must murder their puppies. And you, you get most of these people that are sucked into this hive mind perspective. They'd be going, oh, geez, maybe, maybe I should kill my dog. <laughs> I really, really, really hate to do it. You're such Basically, a now, but but Basically. Yeah, you got to do yeah. what you got to do. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just it's just absolutely you know. And and look, like I said, it it it's it's to the point now where they will everything they do, everything they do is basically just a knee jerk, basically just knee jerk, and behind it all. Behind it all, whether it's conscious or subco- or or you know subconscious or whatever it may be, is the fact that that they just hate Donald J. Trump. It really that that really it's, it it really fuels everything. It fuels everything. It does. The most ridiculous things, such as wearing masks to to eradicate the flu. They they can't think for a second 
They can't think, once again, as you and I talked about for over a year now, if Trump had come out and said, wear your masks, they would say, what a fucking idiot whenever wearing masks, right? We've talked about this before. But because he dare, and Trump wore masks, but because he dare say this might not be great, this might not be helping at all. Oh, my God, we're going to wear masks forever. We're going to wear masks forever. So they don't even have the brain cells to be able to think, well, it's 2022. Do you think doctors and scientists had ever done any studies before about mask wearing in the flu? You think that they don't have a, they don't have the brain cells to think that, of course, those studies have been done. Of course, someone thought about this many decades ago. Of course, they've done numerous studies and found that, of course, there's no correlation between mask wearing and, and, and the spread of the flu. They don't have, a, they don't have the, the wherewithal to even think about that. They truly think that doctors have discovered in the year 2022 that masks will stop the flu. I mean, Daniel, is there any arguing with these people? No, that's why that's why I keep on saying, as Thomas and Jefferson um, once said, and I have to paraphrase it, that the uh, only proper response to an unintelligible position is ridicule. We shouldn't be arguing with these people. We should be ridiculing them. I ridicule them all the time. That's half yeah. of what I do here. Yeah. I, I love ridicule. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's so, but so, but in a way, though, it's like you know, it's too easy to do, right? It's too easy to ridicule them. I mean, that that's. Sometimes I, not always, not always, but sometimes I actually feel bad. No, ridicule, ridicule is hard work. Ridicule is like comedy. <laughs> it's, it's like comedy in a way. Being a, good, being a good comic. I guess so. It can be. It can. Yeah, it, it's a real, it's a real, I mean, comedy is a real craft. I mean, it takes a lot of work to do good stand-up comedy. Right. I mean, you really have to craft your delivery, your lines. You have to get all the words perfect. I mean, just so that it leads you in these strange directions of surprise that make you laugh. I mean, good ridicule takes the same sort of crafts. So, so ridicule, ridicule is not that easy, but right. um, that's what needs to be done. I agree. Yeah. And we'll continue to do that, right? It certainly will. <laughs> Daniel, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Sure. Good night. All right. All right. Um, so speaking of ridicule, uh, Eric Schmidt, who's uh, part of the, uh, you know, uh, deposition, deposing Anthony Fauci, Tony Fauci. This isn't the House yet. That'll be in a month or two. But basically, when when they ask Fauci in in these depositions they're doing now of Anthony Fauci on, on the origins of COVID and such, what Fauci is doing, basically, according to the transcript today, Fauci said, I don't recall, 174 times, including when asked about emails that he sent, interviews that he gave, and other important information. Remember, this is over the course of the last two and a half years, not two and a half decades. So Fauci saying, I don't recall, 174 times. Fauci sent a colleague an email. I'll talk more about I want to disseminate this. This all just came out later today. So I'll I'll look more into this and we'll talk about it as the week goes on. But Fauci sent a colleague an email of February of 2020 instructing her not to wear a mask when traveling. Just a couple months later, he was advocating for universal mask mandates. One of Fauci's deputies joined the WHO delegation to China in February of 2020 and talking to Fauci afterwards was impressed in how the Chinese, <laughs> they, they, they were impressed in how the Chinese were handling the isolation, the contact tracing, the building of facilities to take care of people. 
And this is what we talked about, where Fauci sent someone there in February of 2020, and he said, oh, these lockdowns, great things. And then they came back and they decided that we were going to lock down. Now, when Fauci's asked about that, he says, oh, I never, I never, uh, I never asked for lockdowns. Then Fauci was talking about we had to close schools. I don't remember. I've never said anything about closing schools. So this is what he says. And you know what it reminds me of? 174 times he said, I don't recall. I don't know anything. I don't nothing. What was that character? Was it Schultz? Was it in, 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 uh, in Hogan's Heroes? I know nothing. I do nothing. I know nothing. That's basically what he's like. And it makes sense because that was a Nazi and Fauci's a Nazi. So basically that's all he's doing. He's doing this shtick where he talks about not recalling anything, not knowing anything, not doing anything, having no part of anything. It's it's absolutely insane. It really is. Now, this is good, and we'll go through this, and we'll talk more about this during the week, but it's going to be even better. This is all on Twitter now, right? It'll be even better when he has to answer these questions in front of the House, in front of Congress, and it'll be on TV, and we will play clips of him saying these absolutely ridiculous things. He can't remember anything from what is basically the most important, well, the second most important thing. I would say the HIV was much more important, much more, much more deadly. I don't have to say it is HIV. There's no comparison between AIDS and COVID. But the second most important thing that supposedly has happened in his 45 years of working in this business, and this is just over the last two and a half years, and he doesn't recall anything. He can't remember anything. Can't remember any emails he sent, any interviews he's done. Oh, he's done so many. He can't recall anything. It's basically just a total cop out. Total cop out. But we need to see this on our TV sets because, like we said, so many people get all the information from their TV sets. Most people are not going to go through these this deposition. Most people are not going to go through the Twitter feed on 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 Twittergate on on uh, Hunter Biden, but people will watch it when it's on television. They will watch it being televised. They will watch it. They will watch clips of them. They will go back and they'll watch videos. They'll go to YouTube and they'll see clips. That they will do. And that's why it's so important to have these things happening in the next in the next couple of months. Remember, if any of this stuff worked, whether we're talking about lockdowns or masking or vaccine mandates or any of that stuff, if any of it worked, Fauci wouldn't be saying he doesn't recall. Fauci wouldn't be saying he didn't advocate. He'd be saying, oh, I, I, of course I advocated. You see, that's what people don't seem to understand. If any of this stuff had worked, Fauci would gladly admit he was the pioneer of it. He'd gladly admit he pioneered the lockdowns. He'd gladly admit he pioneered the school closures and the vaccine mandates and masking. He would gladly admit that he was a big part of it. But instead, he says, oh, I I didn't do I didn't. I I don't recall. I did nothing because none of it worked. Not only did none of it work, it killed us. It fucking killed us. 
So there is your proof it didn't work. If it worked, he would gladly say he was a big part of it, if not the, the engineer behind the whole thing. But he's running away from it, and they're all running away from it because they know these things didn't work. And they know these things harmed people. So they pretend, they act, they deflect, they take the fifth. That's what they do, because they know it was all an epic failure. An epic failure. Here in San Francisco, it's a little local issue, and it, it has to do with the Castro Theater. Now, the Castro Theater is a theater in, in, the, in the Castro District. It's been around for about 100 years now, and it showed movies mostly. It was mostly a movie venue. They would do some live performances. It was a big stage. You could do live performances, and they did some of them. But they would do interviews sometimes, and they would do a lot of movies, mostly 90% movies. They would do these great double features. Every night, they'd have a different double feature, usually an older film, and you'd pay like 10, 11 bucks, and you'd see a double feature on a huge screen, you know, in a glorious theater, which is like, what, 1,500, 2,000 seats with a balcony and such. And now, a new company took over, and they wanted to change it into more of like a live venue. It's a company that does live venue stuff, concerts, performances, that kind of thing. And basically, the movie part of it, as being an old movie theater, would be gone because they want to level the seats, right? They want to make it level, the first level. It makes it very tough for the sight lines for a, for a movie. And they want to change the whole design of it. And basically, since they've taken over, since this company's taken over, it really has gone downhill. It really has. You never know when anything's going to be there. It's very spotty. You go by weeks with nothing being there. And it's, they've, they've really destroyed it. And so now there's a lot of uh, a blowback against their... They want, to, they want to put money into it to basically level the first floor and, and basically make it more of a live venue thing than a movie theater. And so there's been a lot of talk about, about can a movie theater of that size these days make it? with people doing streaming, and so on and so forth. But the one point they don't make in any of these articles about the, the struggles around the Castro Theater is that it was perfectly fine. Everything was going along perfectly fine until the lockdowns here in San Francisco. I was, I was going to the Castro Theater up until almost the day the lockdown started. In fact, I went to a double feature at the Castro Theater, and this was like late February, early March, and uh, I was going to these double features all the time there. I'd go once or twice a week to go to a double feature. And I went to a double feature just days before, really days before the lockdown. Days before. So everything was going along fine until the lockdowns. And the lockdowns killed the Castro Theater. No one talks about that. They talk about it as though, oh, people just don't go to the movies anymore. People just don't. Now, yes, yes, movie going was tapering off a little bit before the lockdowns because of streaming. But the lockdowns totally killed movie going. 
The lockdowns killed movie going. COVID didn't kill movie going. Streaming didn't kill movie going. The lockdowns killed movie going because these theaters in many places like San Francisco shut down for a year. A year. So people got in the habit of just having to stream movie at home, right? And then they came back with vaccine passports and masks in places like San Francisco. That Castro Theater was the worst with the vaccine mandates and the passports, the vaccine passports and the, and the masking. And people didn't go. People weren't going. Because why would they? I certainly didn't. So people like me who were going all the time, many of us just stopped going. So it was the COVID lockdowns and the mask mandates and the vaccine passports and all of that stuff that killed the Castro Theater and, and killed movie going in general. When it didn't have to be that way. When there was absolutely no worry about COVID spreading in a movie theater. Where people like was silent the whole time. People watch the fucking movie. They don't talk. There's not talking. Unlike a restaurant. So you see, the restaurants opened up, right? At least outdoors, then indoors. The movie theater, of course, they're no more, you know, driving. So they were all indoors, so they couldn't open up. So people would be in restaurants talking, right? This is the, once again, this is the lack of uncommon sense and the lack of actually like real science that we've seen over the last two and a half years. People go into a restaurant and they would, you have all these tables, people talking and spit coming out of their mouth and blah, blah, blah. And that was fine. But in the movie theater where you went in and you sat down, you didn't say fucking anything for two years, they had to shut down. People couldn't go into those theaters. It was, no, it was no good. It, how idiotic the whole thing is. It's totally fucking idiotic. But this is what killed movie theaters. This is what killed movie theaters. The point needs to be made. And this is the problem with revisionist history. Well, oh, it's just the way things are now in the 21st century. People stream. No, no, no. That's not the case. Yes, streaming is a big part of what people do. But that was the case way, way, way before COVID hit. Way before COVID hit. So the combination of the, the easy, the easy process of streaming things and the fact that COVID hit and these movie theaters locked down and shut down. That is what has killed movie going. That is what killed, has killed movie going. So it's very important that these articles be, of course, but these articles are written by liberals, most of them. I mean, we can go back into the media again. So they don't want to talk about the lockdowns hurting things. They don't want to be, talk about the lockdowns and the, ma and the mandates being the cause of hurt, being the cause of economic hurt. They don't want to talk about that. Why? Because they believed in them. Because they're Democrats that they love, that they give money to, that they adore, that they vote for, did these things. So they don't want to do that. So when you're, when you're a journalist... And you're looking into something like the Castro Theater, or movie going in general, and you look into the reasons why it may have gone downhill. You don't want to talk about that stuff. You know why? Because like Ron DeSantis didn't do that. And then you'd be giving Ron DeSantis credit. Trump told you not to do that. And you'd be giving Trump credit. So they can't do that. So they write these articles as though the COVID mandates never existed, as though the lockdowns never happened.
Oh, it's just the way things are going now. A big theater can't, and this article, the, the whole point of the article was, uh, maybe big theaters just can't make it anymore. No, no, big theaters were making it fine in, on March 8th of 2020. They were doing fine. They were existing. They were finding a way to stay going, stay open. And then the COVID mandates hit. Not COVID. Not COVID. I, I don't know how much more I have to say this. A virus can't cause a movie theater to shut down. A virus can't tell a movie theater owner to shut down. The virus can't do that. It's not possible. It's not, it's not, it's not reality. It's science fiction. The politicians who do the mandates and the policies, they're the ones who told the owners that they couldn't open up. So let's stop blaming COVID. I'm tired of that. I don't want to hear any, I don't want to see any more articles about COVID causing any problems. I want to hear COVID policies causing the problems, COVID mandates causing the problems. That's what's caused the economic downturn. That's what's caused movie theaters to be in trouble. That's what's caused places like the Castro, an old movie house, to have to shut down and change ownerships. It changed ownerships because the owners had to shut down and they couldn't make money for over a year. And then when they opened up again, they had the mask mandates and the vaccine passports. And that prevented it from being as popular as it was before. And people had gotten lazy because for a year, year and a half, two years, they started streaming things because it was the only thing they could do. And so they got into a bad habit. But all of that was caused by the lockdowns and the mask mandates and the vaccine passports and so on and so forth. But you're not going to get a... You're not going to get like the, the San Francisco Chronicle to write that. They're not going to write the truth. They're going to eliminate 80% of the truth and just go with the other 20%, which is that people are into streaming now. That's true. You, they, they can't be called liars. People are more into streaming now. But the 80% they omit, once again, once again, getting back to the whole point, I guess, of the show, which was the idea of omission. You omit something and it doesn't exist anymore, right? You omit the fact that it was the lockdowns and the passports and the mandates and the policies that caused this to happen and it didn't exist. That never happened, right? Let's make it clear, once again, or for the 80 millionth time. The COVID policies and the mandates which caused this destruction, not COVID, not COVID. That's nature. Nature has diseases. Nature has viruses. What's not natural is how the politicians dealt with this. What isn't nature, which is, which is, what, what is man-made and not nature are these policies that destroy places like the Castro Theater and movie going. And it makes me really despise them even more for what they did. I mean, totally, totally, totally despise them for what they did. But once again, they just omit, omit 
what they don't want to exist. They, they omit what they do not want to be public discourse. What they don't want the public to be able to digest and, and think about and consider. They simply omit it. Right, hopefully by this time tomorrow, well, who knows, right? I mean, this is elections in the USA in 2022. We don't know. We might know who has won the Georgia runoff. We might not. We should know, right? In any other country, we would know. It's one race in one state, right? It's one fucking race in one state. But but we might not know unless it's a big win one way or the other, which it probably won't be. But we can hope and we can pray that by the time this show airs, 11 p.m. Pacific, tomorrow night, 2 a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. in Georgia time. We know who has run the runoff. All I can say is go out there and vote for Walker if you haven't already. If you're in Georgia, go out there and vote for Herschel Walker. The 50-50 and the 51-49 is a, is a big difference. It's a very, very big difference. So go out there and do your... Do your civic duty, all right? Well, we'll talk more about that. We'll talk about the runoff. We'll talk about this other stuff. We'll, we'll, I'll read more into the Fauci deposition and get some more information. Maybe, hopefully, it's been, what, four days now. I hope, I hope we get more, another Twitter dump to talk about. I want the Twitter dump on COVID. I want to know collusion between the Democrats and, and Twitter and COVID. That, that's what I want to know. And Big Pharma... Especially that big pharma, big pharma, the CDC, and all, and the, and the FDA, which are basically just arms of big pharma now, and and uh, and and Twitter. That that that's what I want to see next. To me, that's more of a smoking. That could be even more of a smoking gun, because I think that affected so many more people. That affected millions of people. That affected many more people. You see, that affected many more people than the Hunter Biden deal. It just just does. The Hunter Biden deal is interesting. And it's wrong, and it shouldn't have happened. But the COVID stuff affected so many, many more people. So I want information on that. I think we'll get it hopefully soon. All right, remember, this show airs Monday night through Friday night, 11 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 a.m. Eastern. The show is called And Let's Be Heard. Uh, I'm Micah Chopley. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow night.